by the power of Nick Cage's amazing receding hair, I am back with another little slice of caged in action for you. This week we are talking predictions and I can predict already that you're going to have a hoot of a time because this episode was recorded in the past. And we are now here in the future and it was predicted that I would record this intro and it was also predicted by the anagram hunter thomas underscore w underscore hunter over at twitter that this film could mean something else he had nothing for the actual word knowing there may be no known anagram for knowing out there if you have one please feel free to write in caged in pod on facebook twitter and instagram caged in pod at gmail.com for a little chit chat about your knowing anagrams or any other little things you want to talk about regarding the podcast but the anagram hunter does have an anagram for the character's name nicholas cage's character is john costella oh hope i'm pronouncing that right but that is k-o-e-s-t L-E-R, probably pronounced that wrong, but who cares? Um, And it translates to, oh no, let's jerk. Maybe, maybe that's what he was getting at in this film. I've actually seen this, so I feel like me trying to predict what is going to happen. It's going to be futile because I actually know what happens. But yeah, that could be his motivations, definitely in the latter part and his relationship with Rose Byrne. Or he gave us a little anagram for the French title of this film, which is Predictions. Very, very, very good title. Probably better than Knowing. A bit more on the nose, I guess. But in keeping with last week's theme, it is... It's Doper Nick. Maybe he was still drugged up from Bangkok Dangerous when he recorded this one. When he was all there, doped up. Maybe this whole film is just a hallucination of a madman fed up on cocaine and other class A drugs that he has pumped into his system. And this is all just a crazy LSD trip. Nick Cage just rolling around in his RV between takes. And then whoa, he's pulled out and he's actually on the set of Bangkok Dangerous. And the Pang brothers are like, you got to get back to it, Nick. And he's like, oh man, I had this crazy idea for a film. It's called Knowing. I'm going to get my production company. We're going to pump a load of money into it. We're going to get Roseburn and a girl who looks scarily like her. And it's going to be fucking great, I'll tell you. But there's only one way to find out if it's great. And that's to have a little listen to the episode. So I'm going to leave you with it, guys. And I'll speak to you later. There's no earthly way of knowing Isn't in which direction we are There's no knowing where we're rolling Or which way the river's flowing Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a Hello, so we are back after the terribly low, low that was Bangkok Dangerous last week. Oh boy, that was a fucking depressing, disgusting, filthy, 
dregs of the barrel of Nicolas Cage's career. But hopefully this week with my two lovely guests, Bob and Joe from tonight with Bob and Joe. Hello. Hello, guys. How are we? How's it going? Yeah, good. Happy birthday, Petros. Yes. Happy birthday to Petros. (laughs) Cut it there, because any more we will have to pay some type of license (laughs) (laughs) to some some cynical sisters out there who have put a pattern on that tune the rightful owners in fact it's copyright free now because it's past 75 years well carry on guys i will i will will revel (laughs) in uh, (laughs) um we got time but we are here to talk about knowing and let me start off by asking you two guys uh starting off with bob have you seen this film before bob I do. I, I think I've seen bits of it on TV. I don't, I've never seen it all the way through TV. Uh, on the old, yeah, I've, I've, I've just seen it. So I've sort of cut in and out of it. But it, I, I, I remember feeling unimpressed by it. I have a feeling <laughs> that this would definitely be an ITV4 classic, you know, <laughs> a staple. And like after after like the news at ten, and then it's straight into a Nicolas Cage fucking schlock fest. Yeah, I know nothing about this at all. I, I certainly I can't remember. I didn't even know yeah. at all. Nothing. I'm unknowing. I, th- I think I remember a kid and some numbers. That's what I think. Okay. Okay. Well, that is that yeah. is. Okay. Abstract. I'm slightly getting confused between this possibly and the. 2012 film 2012 with, uh, <laughs> with, with our kind of uh, uh, the, a man whose career almost runs parallel with Nicolas Cage and that is John Cusack the oh, uh, of course oh, yeah. the legend the man I, the man I love but for those of you who haven't heard I'm actually on the caged in uh, podcast Twitter I am blocked by John Cusack <laughs> right for what um for oh. simply mentioning the fact that one of my uh, guests had been blocked by John Cusack <laughs> on Twitter, and then I thought that would make some type of funny promotional, like, do you know what I mean? Like, listen to this episode, find out how John Cusack blocked uh, Martin Huckster. Right, yeah. Like, um, and then John Cusack got involved. I was actually, <laughs> like, laying on the sofa watching Catfish, the TV show. Yeah. Because I'm that kind of classy guy. <laughs> um, and John Cusack had tweeted me, like, how about you ask me? And I was like, great. And this is now, anyone who knows John Cusack, I will happily have him on the podcast. As I said to him, give me your details. We'll have a little phone call and we'll just chat about why you blocked him. Yeah, I, don't, I wish he'd. I wish he'd gone for it. I so do I, because there's many other things I'd like to talk to him about, and that is, of course, Con Air. Yes, and uh, later Frozen Ground, where him and Nicolas Cage ah. are reunited. Wow! Wait, so that was, but he just he just immediately then blocked you after you made that offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. That's a shame. So fucking so, hell, John. Uh, Hopefully one day we can reconnect and talk about our top five songs we want played at our funeral in a high fidelity style romance. I can be the I can be the Barry to his Oh fuck, I forgot high his High Five Fidelity. Yeah, yes please. Yes, please. Well there'll be high fives all over the place. So there is no knowing what knowing will show us. But there's only one way we'll get to knowing what knowing has to show us. How's that? That's to get raging with a cage. Let's go. We now know a lot more about knowing than maybe a man should know. What did we think of the film, guys? Well, what do you know, Bob? What do you know? What do you know? know? 
Um, what I know now is that this world, uh, there is no such thing as fate. That everything is has already been set in place by a series of elaborate numbers that in some way signify disasters and the coming of a gigantic cat ball. It is determinism at its best. Determinist? <laughs> determinism. I like determinism, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite nice. I'm determined um, to get that right. So let's have a little little chin wag about what the fuck happens. Okay. <laughs> like a brief a brief we'll do a little brief overview. Uh, an overview. And then we'll then we'll really pick this cat ball apart like okay. a, like a cat with a fucking ball of yarn. Overview. <laughs> Easy. Overview. <laughs> Bob was right. Um kid and numbers. Starts with the kid and numbers. You said that, right? It does, yeah. yeah. And that that is correct. So we start with the kid and numbers. In nineteen fifty nine, may I add. That's right, yeah. that's right. Good. And this 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 kid basically uh they they've won some kind kind of elaborate competition to decide what will go within a time capsule that will be buried outside the school. In fact, it was the deci- the, the, the decision was uh, the, the competition was what should we do to commemorate a hundred years of this school being going. Mm-hmm. And Lucinda, the the little girl of numbers, as said she won the competition with the idea of a time capsule. Oh, right. I thought it was just that she had the idea of pictures because no, the woman, no. the oh, woman comes over and goes, oh, you were supposed to draw a picture. This was your idea, love. And then no, she... no, no. The time capsule was her idea. Yeah. Oh, and she's right. really put it to pot by just like a mad person writing all these numbers that at the moment we're like, what the fuck do they mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, um, but there's an interesting thing about the name of that school. Um, that is William Dawes Elementary. William Dawes. And William Dawes was actually one of the uh, soldiers uh, that rode to Paul Revere to let him know that the British troops were coming. Just how Ooh. Lucinda was wow. writing down the numbers to predict future catastrophes Whoa. that were That's going to come neat. upon them. That yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I suppose that, that, that sums up what this film is about. This film is about Lucinda... Somewhat predicting through numbers and old Nicky boy 50 years later. So, yeah, so we, we cut to Nicolas Cage. Nicky Cobalt. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Nicky Cobalt. Nicky Cobalt? No, not Nicky no, no, Coppola. No, no. No, no. no yeah, Nicky Co- Well, what's the name of his actual character? John John. Yeah, his name is John. <laughs> John John. John John. John John. Jeremiah Joseph Jingleheimer Schmidt. So John's, son, <laughs> John's son goes to Woodrow. Is it called Woodrow? William Dawes. William Dawes. (laughs) John's son goes to William Dawes. Uh, 50 years later, John's son ends up with the piece of paper that Lucinda had written. One full of numbers. Finally, uh, sorry, Joe. Finally, the time capsule is unearthed, and then he each each of the children are distributed a different envelope with a different picture, usually a sort of shit drawing of a rocket or something yeah. like that. Uh, but this kid instead gets a, a, a series of elaborate sort of binary numbers. See, yeah. I, I want to I want to dive into the idea of like what were they trying to convey with the time capsule with the drawings? Because would you like would it have been better for them to be like this is what life is like now. Yeah. So the kids in the future could have an understanding of what it was like at school in the 50s. 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that would have been a lot cooler. Yeah, that's, than, that's, like, that's actually the concept of yeah. a time capsule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I, was, I was telling you guys, like, just as they were putting the time capsule in, I put a time capsule myself into a local park in Penzance, in wow. Morrow Gardens. It's called wow. Tropical. 
Oh, so, oh, don't give away the location. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey. Crazy Cajun fans to get up. It's next to the bandstand. If you stand sort of west of the bandstand with your back to the bandstand, walk 10 steps, then seven left, and then start digging, you will find. Well, it wow. depends. There'll have to be smaller steps, I suppose, for a real. A real man. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a real man? Are you a real treasure hunter? Well, when you when you dig down, you will find a tobacco tin full of sort of like present day. At the time, of course, not when you in the nineties day. Yeah, yeah, maybe not nineties, but um, two thousand four, two thousand five. You, you'd find sort of uh, you will find a tobacco tin full of IDs and sort of trinkets i remember someone putting in like um not a pog but like we had like do you remember <laughs> them they were you, you buy them they were called like slammers oh yeah yeah yeah. what about the ones that come in the crisp packets as well is yeah, that the it about? Was something like that Tazos. it was something was it? like that yeah it was one of those there was, there was one of those in there there was like there was like someone put a bit of resin in there oh marijuana oh, oh cheeky yeah. you know so time yeah. to smoke that so now <laughs> so that if anyone ever unearths it they'll go oh god and we found something of 2000 five not not pictures of what i don't know what, of nothing what's the point of the crayons have not changed just, yeah. it's not like <laughs> drawing rockets boring well, i <laughs> like fair, to think real children they really exist in that time they did those drawings maybe they felt it was precious they allowed the children to decide what they wanted to put in the capsule that's a good point they should do that yeah. i like to think as well <laughs> back to your point of your time capsule joe i like to think now hopefully that this podcast is far reaching enough that there is a crazed man just clucking for a spliff who is now in a park in Penzance <laughs> digging just for that tiny bit of resin just to get his next Hello. fix. Unfortunately I see that as me in about 20 years like, that, <laughs> like when I'm unfortunately back in Penzance and I've run out of dirt bar and or, you know and there's not there's just nothing for me anywhere I'm like 10 from the bandstand and 7 to the left. <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we still doing an overall description of the film yeah rather than going specifically into each scene? We're well, yeah, 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 yeah. We're just seeing where this journey takes us okay. as it's taken us so far. Well, well, so basically, what what we get what we get to is we find out that uh, yes, indeed, she did write those numbers, but this young lady Lucinda, she gets that bit of paper torn away from her by the teacher to shove it right in that time capsule, mm. which means that she couldn't actually complete the number cycle. She didn't finish the numbers, okay. so the teacher later finds her at night in a uh, in a cupboard. Right, a in, Mat- the in the school, in the school, in a sort of Matilda-like cupboard. The chokey, oh, the chokey, yeah, yeah, this trunch bowl. Exactly, but but she's actually put herself in there for some reason, right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, well, yeah. she's just scared, I think. And 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 the teacher finds her, and she's she she doesn't have a pen of any sort, so she's been using her own fingernails to scratch the remaining numbers into the door of this cupboard. Yeah, and we get the sort of scary scene where the the child's fingers are sort of covered in blood, and it's all a bit like she's Ugh! in somewhat of a trance. Yeah, in a sort of yeah a, 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 a somnambulist state. Ooh. Um, and uh, and then yeah and then so but anyway back in the present day we're we're treated to the sort of the sad reality as well that that the that, that Nicholas Cage's son who's who's now clearly who's stolen this this page of numbers by the way he's taken it away from the school Cage literally says you should take that back tomorrow yeah I mean it's it's time capsule stuff it's well, uh, property it, of the state yeah and <laughs> it's the way that I think it's brilliant the way as as boozy men ourselves how he figures out. That these numbers may mean a little bit more. <laughs> it's just the yeah. stain of a whiskey glass upon the page 
yeah. because he, he has could, filled it up a bit too much. A bit got too much. Overzealous. <laughs> Way too much. Yeah, he literally goes to fucking he town goes really with it. Sort of like frugally walks into the kitchen, trying not to drop like drop one drip of his massive glass of whiskey. You know, he's already spilt much of it on his front room floor, and he walks into his kitchen. Apparently, there's actually a deleted scene where uh-huh. uh, he sops that up. With his mouth oh, <laughs> from the floor. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I'm only joking. On. I wish that was the case. <laughs> Be a better film for it. Be a better film for it. But yeah, but then we we sadly realise while Nicholas Cage, we'll, we'll get into very quickly about how Cage cracks cracks these codes and works out what's going on. We also work out that his son has lost his mother, and of course Cage has lost his wife. And there's some really emotive, sort of sad stuff with the kids sort of staying up. Watching videos of his own mother, um, sort of tucking him, tucking him, in. him in, yeah, and saying good night. And it's actually kind of at this point, really, and it's early on in the film. It's what it was. What made me realise that even though this is a schlocky kind of B movie, as movies go, it does have an oddly sort of successful emotive drive to it. It, 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 there is something I, I did actually feel for the characters in it, despite them, no, yeah, yeah. despite them point, not being full of depth. Specifically, there was a, uh, up until that point as well, like uh, all of that. Part, I was like, "Well, this is actually because I mean, I had like I no, I didn't even know that that, that knowing was a film until <laughs> until ten minutes before we started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I came and oh, what are we watching today, Petros? Knowing so, what? so, so <laughs> out, outside of this really emotional, outside of this emotional response, we suddenly then see Cage downstairs in his dilapidated basement for for some reason <laughs> n- n- no other area in the house is as dilapidated as the area I, where I'm, he I'm chooses not sure. to spend his time the whole place looks pretty like pretty gothic and yeah 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 it's almost like the, the it's a bit fight club it's a bit tyler durdham's house oh yeah i agree with that yeah know, i was thinking that fucked up right? yeah, and, yeah well i think waterlogged that, yeah waterlogged it is playing. a um I think it's a talisman of his like psyche and the damage that he has like suffered emotionally from the loss of his wife mm. that he has given up on making the place look pretty. And yeah. like I think I think it's kind of like because almost a borderline misogynistic thing of like there's not a woman's touch in there. <laughs> oh, Men left to their own devices will this, let it go into disrepair. Honestly, because like, in this in this film Nick um Nick Cage plays a professor, Professor John, and um he he, he <laughs> He, uh, when we first see him in his um, lectures, giving 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 a lecture, he's talking to them about uh, deter- d- determinism. He's talking about he's like picking up a big sun and throwing it around. He, right? he's, he's saying specifically the sun in, com- in 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 its distance to the earth. Without the sun, there would be no creation. There'd be what no such an evolution. You know? so yeah, what, what are the, the odds are that like? this yeah. would all come together? And he's saying, you know, that that's what determinism is. That this must be. I think determinism is the wrong term. So shall we? No, no, ra- no. I think I think you're right. right. I think you're shall right. Shall we very quickly rattle through the plot of this? Just give <laughs> no, 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 yeah, and yeah, then yeah. go into because some of this I really want to talk about in depth. Okay. So like, it transpires that the numbers are right. Uh-huh, so yeah. first of all, nine eleven. Another, um, it's like what the first one he sees is an oil, like an oil slick in the oil. Or he thinks he sees an oil. He thinks that that, that might have been the. Uh, the, the disaster that was like pin pinpointed for that day. Here's a crazy little fact for you guys. Okay. Two years later, an oil tanker did burst in the ocean. Wow. And it was the famous like BP oil like oil oh, disaster yeah, in two thousand and ten. Whoa, but was it on the same date? 
I don't think the same date, but still, this film has <laughs> some <laughs> level of prophetic powers. Okay, yeah, that's impressive. Is yeah, fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Um, Although maybe it points out more uh, Ben uh, Mendelssohn's theory, which is that you know you, you just you find the dates, you, you know you, you're reading into it. It's the uh, it's the uh, it's that it's that you're reading thing. what you want. Yeah. So yeah, so that happened. So it turns out that the numbers are right. Um, Nicholas Cage figures out that those numbers are right, and he starts essentially sort of chasing around the numbers, trying to either see them to be real, so he knows that the numbers are correct himself, or slash trying to sort of give a helping hand. Maybe he can stop it. Maybe at this point in the film, it's sort of he feels like they're given to him. His father's also a pastor, so there's a religious sort of overarching idea that... that was like, that Tagliatelle or Lasagna? Or? Is, his, is his name... It, 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 <laughs> I think it's a, a pastor. Linguini, pastor. A is it Pastor? So there's like a religious part where um, him sort of believing that because he's got the numbers, he himself is the Messiah. Like, why mm. should they come to me? He says it at one point. Why should they come to me if I can't do anything about it? Yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Comes, 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 bit like right. Jesus, yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's going, you know, and then we realise that that's not the case. Well, eventually we find out, whilst everything transpires, that this whole thing is... I don't know. It, no, it's not but that it is... We, we see some people who are lingering around in the backdrop all the time. They're there from the very beginning, yeah. when the kid first discovers the numbers, when, when Cage's kid does. And then later on, we find that these sort of these these blonde-haired sort of white-faced figures are sort of hanging out in the woods. Uh, Cage Cage runs over at one point with a baseball bat and whacks a tree trying to scare them off. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, does he run in? Does he confront them there and then, or was it later? No, no, no. He doesn't confront them because, like... It's a very quick shot after that because yeah, I right. imagine that the 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 force of him hitting the baseball bat <laughs> against the the tree was like oh fuck my hands ah oh, shit but <laughs> but then we sort of make sort of quickly move on to the 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 museum and somehow Cage has, has clocked that that the the daughter of the of the original young lady we see at the beginning of the film Lucinda, yeah, Lucinda. the daughter is there at the, at the, at some obscure museum of extinct animals um, where um, he's going to take his son. And and he's it's it's kind of an attempt to to talk to this woman, but he's sort of in a way using his kid as bait, a little bit. Well, I have a, I have a very there is a weird theory of this film of like that I kind of picked up on of like it kind of has like a a weird like paedophilic element to it of like <laughs> almost like letting like he lets like. Sorry to spoil them, but he lets his child just go with at what he sees at Mysterious. the time. Mysterious. Strange men. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. kind of, like, yeah. let, like, his kid, his kids have the power to, like, almost and, like, like a Nambla, yeah, like, yeah. idea of, like, the kids have the power to do what they want and they can go with yeah. these strange and men and say, it's their choice. It's just very peculiar, idea. very strange. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a thing going on with it, like, when, when I was saying earlier, when, when his sister comes in, we go, oh, is this like a sort of... Oh, like, a sexual thing? Because yeah, we don't know who she is, right? Yeah, we don't know who she is and she comes in, you go, who is this? And then, of course, it's his sister and he's like, get out, you know, there's a d- disruptive idea of between their family who obviously doesn't want to talk to them but because there is no love interest yeah but there is no love interest but we need a woman 
um, for film purposes and she comes in it's all a bit weird and later on it looks like she's going to get off with him <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But, so what I'm saying is like and there isn't a love interest and then to me somewhat the love interest sort of transpired because there is a love interest and weirdly it transpires through a sort of um, for, through a futuristic idea through the son and daughter <laughs> oh yeah because of the actresses both playing yeah so the so yeah, Nicholas Cage's yeah. characters so John's son and then um, uh, Rose Byrne Rose plays Byrne. the like yeah. the daughter of Lucinda yeah. who that he tracked down and the older version find... and the older version of Lucinda through photographs yeah, yeah definitely yeah and so and so so her daughter and Nicholas Cage's son they they become essentially the the beginnings of what could be a love interest to at least put that seed into a mind. I, well, it, I find to, it very bizarre. It is totally nuts. I mean, but but uh, even the whole di- whole idea of those actri- that actress thing, the white rabbits. I mean, let's, let's think about the white rabbits. So so after the museum, basically during the, the museum, they go to the restaurant. Cage is like, "Look, your kid's getting on with my kid. Looks like they've been best friends for years. I don't really know what he means by that." Tell me about your mum. <laughs> tell me about <laughs> your mum. So suddenly he's like, "Tell me about your mum in the <laughs> restaurant," and she's like, "What the?" Fuck! What the fuck? And he's like, "Yeah, I know. Actually, it's not. It's not chance that we've met right now. You got to tell me about I've your mum. Can I meet around. your dad? I've been following you around." And she's like, "We're getting out of here. Gets her daughter out of there." Yeah, he's like, "I know your bra size. <laughs> like, I know. I know. I like." I know what you ate for dinner last night, <laughs> the night before. I've looked through your bins. Yeah. I've read your receipts. <laughs> and, uh, and you really need to chill then, out on your heating. And then, and then, literally in no time at all. Even though she's already left, she, at some point she just mysteriously comes back, and she comes back and she says to Cage, "You know what? I don't want to die." And my mum uh, predicted that I would die on that particular date within the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, they sort of start to plot for some sort of mental road trip to escape what is the oncoming apocalypse. Yeah, well, first of all, they find out that the last two, what they think are numbers that look like a 33, oh, right. are actually EE, backwards. E-E, yeah. And they find out in the cabin that uh, Lucinda used to live in that she had predicted that the EE is everyone and she had predicted the apocalypse. That's or the, that's... she had just predicted sort of like... Um, you know, uh, light light cables and the internet. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And really fast. Bacon, is fast that his name? Yeah, Kevin Bacon. Footloose. Kevin yeah, Bacon. yeah. Kevin. So, so like high speed internet. Richard Bacon. I don't know. I think uh, maybe I, another Richard man. Richard Bacon who... was the host of uh, the Big Breakfast. Oh, <laughs> of course. Bacon. And here we are, sat on sofas talking shit. <laughs> Very reminiscent of the Big Breakfast. <laughs> yeah. So 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 where, where are we? What's going on? I was here. So 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 they found that there's they found these numbers under the no they found ee under the bed and it says everyone is everyone or like what is everyone? It just else? says everyone, everyone, everyone else. Everyone. everyone else. Everyone else. Everyone else. No, it just says everyone. I thought it said no, everyone, it says else. everyone else. Everyone else. Everyone else. Everyone else. Ah. Everyone, everyone everyone sounds like a beautiful sort of hippie everyone, indie track. Everyone is a is a band. <laughs> is it? No, it's everything. Everything. But then but then oh, cage right. but then cage is like everyone everywhere yeah. is. I don't know. Then E's actual Ke- title. I don't fucking yeah, know. Cage, Cage goes back to uh, Mendelssohn. E. <laughs> Cage goes back to. Uh, We're not sponsored by E. <laughs> I just 
<laughs> Cage goes back to Mendelssohn's lair, back to the back to the uni, and has a chat with Mendelssohn, who is some really weird relationship stuff with him going. And on. we will we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. Dig, dig deep into but, that. But, but, but basically, they clock they clock somehow that the, the sun is going to fucking explode or it's going to get so hot. Yeah. They, they, do keep, they do keep like sort of throughout the film they drop hints that it's, everything's getting really hot. Even the museum, once, she's like, oh, yeah. it's a bit hot. Once it does get to those solar flares, the uh, like the amount of science that they do in that sort of like two minute scene is like it's like he goes he goes he goes look and it's hot and it's like number three four two and look solar flares we're all gonna die and the, the, like, Men- the Mendelssohn I like, like the, fuck it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a very quick like PowerPoint presentation that he had, he had, had laid <laughs> out as well in there, he's like oh shit you're totally right we yeah are yeah Mendelssohn's like we've got to contact someone we've got to call someone and then Cage is like nah fuck it's too late man goes, they already oh, know man. they already and, know and then he sort of turns around and looks through the window right and it looks like some sort of beautiful orchard of of, of like of all time, right? Well, it These looks like, like flying. The, the thing is, this film is supposed to look apocalyptic, but it just looks like a shot in the magic hour. You know, like Badlands or something. Yeah, yeah. Or like... Um, Malik World. Yeah, or like The Outsiders, yeah. like that, that moment. Have you ever seen The Outsiders? The, the Francis know. Ford Coppola film. Like those moments just between, like just before dusk, where the sky is just purple and beautiful you're and golden. This, you're making the visuals of this film sound better than they are. Yeah, though, but. definitely. But, <laughs> no, no, no. but that is not what they are trying to like tell us. They're no. trying to say the end of the world is coming. Yeah, yeah. The end of the world is so, beautiful. So, and yeah. So Cage, Cage, formula, Cage formulates a plan. He says, "We've got to go to these caves, right? Let's get to these caves." That's, uh, she that's, says. She, she says. She formulates it, yeah. a plan. That's where, and then Cage is like that. Says. Yeah. So, so Lucinda's daughter says that, and then Cage is like, "Cool, let's do that. That'd be great." And then Cage goes, "Fuck that! Actually, let's find the numbers, the secret numbers that were carved into the door that young Lucinda was trapped in in the Matilda box earlier on in the beginning of the film." So, so which then... brings us to a moment that is possibly one of the least action-packed moments I have ever seen of what can only be described as a man paint stripping a door <laughs> in a shed. <laughs> One of the best parts, one of the best bits of the film. It's like manic, manic Kate. Only Kate. This is the thing about Kate. There's not many people I can imagine getting away with it. With such with <laughs> yeah. such excitement and enthusiasm, yeah. she's like, "We've got to go! It's the end of the world!" And he's just stolen a door from a school, <laughs> yeah. taking it back to. His, she's like, "What are we doing?" He's like, "Hold on a minute!" Just br- brings out one of those heaters. If you've ever stripped a door of paint, which I hope you haven't, but if you have, uh, it's boring and laborious. And and I mean, or you, it's basically you've got a very strong hair dryer and a scraper. That, that's, it. that's it. And funnily enough, what what is it? Yeah, I mean, he's just he's going wild on it. She's got to take the kids and get out of there while he's in the garage going nuts on that door. He, he does. He does manage to find the numbers, but yes. not in time before she's already headed off with his own kid in the fucking kid. car. She's kidnapped his kid, and he's like fuck, and he runs out. And he's like fucking hell, what's going on? And he's like shit, gets in his own car, starts driving towards somewhere. Just, 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 just hoping Here, that no, he would no, find. What he does no. What he does is the the numbers he finds on the door. Are the, are the, the missing, coordinates. They are the missing coordinates from the 1950s that Lucinda, as a child, once that paper was stripped from her, she needed to finish the numbers. That's why she was in the right, cupboard, right. Of course, of course. In to the door, 
right, to finish off the coordinates. So he steals the, the whole door <laughs> and paint strips it enthusiastically as fuck. But of course, the apocalypse would come. You would. You imagine someone like the apocalypse was going and you've got to paint strip something. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, to be fuck. honest, to be honest, I'd, I'd say that was telling about all of life. I'd yeah. be like, fuck this. This is <laughs> fucking shit. So I can't believe so he this. Gets the numbers. He gets the numbers and he finds from the numbers that they're coordinates. He puts the coordinates into his fucking tom-tom, which he's got in his pocket. Slots it right in the car. There's a nice yeah. little cut of him just slotting yeah. in the tom-tom. And, and those, coordinates, <laughs> those coordinates spell out the location that said woman that's just stolen his kids is driving to. to no, 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 she's no. driving to the caves. Yeah, and the cave is where that... No, no the coordinates not. are of Lucinda's shack in the woods. Ah, yeah, yeah. So Her motorhome so or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. But... At Lucinda's shack earlier, we had a moment where Cage tried to confront, like, these weird spike from Buffy type guys <laughs> in the woods and finds out, like, that they, like, I don't they shoot they light out of their, uh, out their, out of their mouth. shack and those caves not the same place? No, they're not. No. Rose Hill is a different location. Is it Rose Hill? Bush Hill? Bush Hill yeah, yeah, is a Bush different Hill. location. But why does he put it on and then follow the sat now? Because, yeah, but so the, on, the only reason he, you know, he has to drive, basically he starts driving and then she gives she gives him a call from no, the... No, but he starts driving in the right direction. Yeah, that's true, actually. Maybe because he, he knew where the caves were. I don't know. Because he's trying to... Sa- that's a good question. This is what I'm saying. I'm... He's trying to tell her. He's trying to track her down, get all of them. But how can to, he to know go... where to follow her once she's gone? She's gone. Remember, he comes out and they're yeah, gone. Yeah. Well, but basically, gone. Oh, there are many. There are many flaws in this. No, yeah, but, that but, is but, what you know. It. Out, he comes out and they're gone, and then he puts his tom tom that he's just put the things in into his thing and starts driving. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Right? And then next thing they come no, but she calls. She calls, and then he and you see his car swerving to the petrol station, but far too late because she's already. Uh, literally, she's she's already like had her car stolen. And she's stolen another car and on hot pursuit. Yeah, because her oh, car the was The alien guys. Well, I mean, I hate to spoil it for everyone, but the <laughs> the sort of the Spike Buffy people that they, they have they have kidnapped the kids in her own car. Now she's stolen another car as if it ain't a fucking thing. Yeah, she's stolen another true. car. Yeah, she's drove off to them, and unfortunately, two seconds down the line, she gets fucking mowed down. By a lorry, big time Terminator lorry. Fuck. And yeah, yeah. yeah. But I the mean, thing is, that looks like when like Cage turns up, it looks like it was filmed on a runway. Can I just mention at this moment as well? Oh, it is important to note. It's important to note that I, I I I saw it very briefly, and then he gets an extendo scene when Kate when Cage finally gets out of the car, he runs over to the gas station. And he goes, "Did you see some people? Was there a woman just here?" Or and the gas station attendant who's there is none other than Napoleon from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I didn't even know. I remember when you said, "I was like, that I mean, is I, fantastic." I think that is so fucking cool. Yeah. I've never seen him in anything else in my entire life. But what I like about oh, that character is, character in that film. yeah, I know. What I love about him in this is he's saying to all the other patrons of the gas station whilst they're all going frantic trying to buy supplies and gas. He's like, "Hey, this is just gonna be like the Millennium Bug. They're all gonna wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. They're all gonna wake up in the morning and feel real fucking stupid about themselves." Like, I love, I'd love that attitude. I feel that that might be me in the apocalypse, just going, "Oh yeah, I fucking said that before." Those. Mayans 2012 pull the other one mate pull the other one Love Fantastic. That. So then, so then the kids. Where, where are they taken in this obscure car? They're taken to this. They're taken to the location of the shack, right? But through like the door some numbers, kind of like 
Yes, they are. And so that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. Through some like cornfields. Oh no! But the cage has a weird moment where he stops off somewhere else beforehand, where the ambulance is that contains the dead body of the woman who's been killed in the car, Lucinda's daughter, and she has like died at exactly midnight, which right on the day that her mum had predicted that she, she would die. Would die yeah. And there's a, <laughs> there's a weird moment. Yeah, they re- so they try to restart dogs. a heart. They can't. And then Cage feels like there's enough time, even though his kid is fucking missing, because there's enough time to just sit down and talk to a dead body for a bit. Which is another thing. It's like, come on, yeah, bad like, dad number like, number one. Like, oh, I'd be like, I ain't gonna stop at sh- fucking nothing to get my fucking son back. He has I been bad yeah, dad. I mean, you're right, and so you should. But if, if I was in in that character's uh, sort of boots and had gone through all that, just was, chill I, out and have, I, have a talk to a well, dead body. No, the chances yeah. are high that the emotions would take me, and I probably would spend some time with the daughter of the woman that had sent me by sort of mythical reasons through my son, a time capsule <laughs> sort of numerical code that, that like spells all of like the main disaster of 20 years, I probably would spend a minute or two going, Jesus. It's not going to stop destiny, man. It's not. The I thing mean, is, it's not gonna... well, that's, that's what she's saying. That's <laughs> Thinking on it on a logical... But it is destiny, according to that. On a logical scale, you make 100% like sense in the real world. But in this film, they have known each other but two days. Yeah, Two yeah. days is a whole goddamn lifetime when you put in the <laughs> ideas of said... Especially I mean, when your kid's been again. kidnapped by mysterious blonde men. Well, again, again, two days would be a lifetime. If your children are being kidnapped by men that stand in the woods and give you small black pebbles and you've got like, <laughs> you've got like a 50-year-old dead woman child's <laughs> fucking numbers like, coming at you and you've figured out the code... Two days of knowing someone, they're big two days, they are. They're oh, big yeah. two days. Uh, you can probably feel something <laughs> through those two days with someone that you've probably never felt through 20 years with someone else. Fair enough, yeah, yeah. So fair I'm enough. just saying there's, there's, there's a legitimate Maybe there's time. even some surrogate way he's sort of talking to his wife through her. I mean, who knows? We could really read into that. But okay, so what? So then finally Cage is like, right, shit, let's drive to the location. He gets to the location itself, right? And the kids are there now brandishing white bunnies... <laughs> And in the loving care of the aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And the, 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 they, I mean, they are clearly aliens. I mean, as soon as we already knew that the Spike Buffy guys could shoot light from their mouths, and as, as Petros mentioned as well, like, at the very beginning of the film, well, well they're making let, hot dogs. Let, let, let's we'll, get in, we'll get back to that later. Let's we... get into the signposting in this film, because yeah, yeah. the signposting is so... Like, look, actually, let's yeah. talk about it now. The signposting in this film... Is fucking crazy. As we are like just but minutes away from the end of what actually happened. Yeah. Like we are signposted from the beginning. Yeah, the very first thing, right? When we're introduced to Nicolas Cage, his son asks him, Do you think there is life out in the universe? While they're cooking hot dogs. Whilst that yeah, but, but then it's a famous dad Sunday nights hot dogs. <laughs> nice, well, well remembered. And then he says to him, like, oh well, like the possibilities that all the suns out there all the stars out there that are the same as the sun the possibility is they could be if there is an earth just like but he, actually says, he, he actually says but we're, right now we're alone Major and then the kid storms off and goes I'm no longer eating hot dogs I'm a vegetarian yeah. but they also bring in the idea of religion in this moment as well yeah. not because only, he says yeah. to him yeah, yeah. I'm not saying we are alone that heaven and hell like heaven does not exist yeah. mum is still out there and yeah. to back to the point when we first see Cage at work at MIT, mm. there is the signposting of 
that the sun is of grave importance yeah. in this film. Yeah, that yeah. that will massive, be massive. the, the sun. The sun. You mean the, the sun. sun? The sun. Yeah. The I sun. S U N. The sun. The big ball of fire in the yeah, sky. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, as we're talking now, is fantastic because his sun is of grave importance to yeah. the story. Yeah, but not sure. only the sun in like Ezekiel. Yes. To the, the the famous picture. You know a lot about this, Bob. Well, yeah. So basically, at one point, they see the the mad sort of scrawlings and sort of sort of weird collage walls of the of Lucinda's room. This is when they find the EE on the back of the bed. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're looking around and, and they find uh, they find an image, a sort of a, a print of, of Ezekiel. Um, and the, this image is of uh, the biblical scenario where Ezekiel saw um, a sort of a kind of vision of a, a, a burning wheel in the sky, which then uh, f- uh, four angels descended from that wheel with multiple arms. Yeah. And, and it was essentially a lot of UFO enthusiasts, um, you could call them UFO nuts throughout the years, have used that as an example of, uh, of, of, of how the Bible, yeah, ufologists, you could call it that. I think a lot of them wouldn't even, even sort of treat the Bible seriously. Well, no, I'm I'm just saying that a lot of people have used it as an example of how even in biblical times, people saw UFO events and this would be a mythological interpretation of something which is clearly very close to the way that people talk about aliens today. And so what's beautiful about that is, so not only is that happening where he's finding pictures on Lucinda's, um, a grown-up Lucinda's shack of Ezekiel, but him himself, his father, is a pastor, and he, um, sort of earlier in the film, when his sister comes around, is sort of, you can tell that he's sort of... Um, denounced his he's faith. denounced his faith, certainly, especially after the death of his wife, and he goes mm-hmm. into that in the car with with that. Oh, yeah, with of course. Daughter. Yeah, yeah, and says what happened, doesn't he? Yeah. He says, says that she burnt in a fire, but... She but, would have died of fire, inhalation yeah, hu- and that fumes. that fire, that accident was written in Lucinda's numbers. So if he had had those numbers before... What, then, what? is that actually yeah, mentioned? That's what he said. If those, I didn't know if that. If these numbers had come to me before her death, then I would have been able to save her life. Fuck. So that's why he's so... And he actually, says, he actually says that when he was out on the lawn blowing the leaves... He he felt that it, which was, which was, he was there when his wife was burning alive, essentially in this yeah. building. Um, he he felt that when you were, uh, you you should know when a loved one is in peril. I thought but that he was didn't, really but, but he didn't feel it. Yeah. He didn't feel it then, which is what made him give up on God or or predeterminism. Absolutely, I thought that part of the that part of the script was was really uh, profound. Yeah, I thought that yeah, part especially was... comparison to a, yeah everything yeah. else. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, especially. But... Where do you think yeah. this film like has a standpoint on religion? Though is it pro or is it anti? Because I think by the end of it, it's it is pro. Pro. So let's yeah. let's Karen, let's like a rapture sense. Nah, because of, let's it, cause just, of that ending. It, let's it really dive in. Like, yeah. It's just like you say, man. Yeah, it's hyper religious. Yeah, that's what I thought. Let's dive in and like wrap up this bad boy yeah. of what actually happened, and then we can have a little poke around at any more bits yeah. Okay, yeah. that need to be so, poked around at. So they get there, they're the white rabbits. With, that's where we've got to, right? So the white rabbits are there. So Nick has turned up and he's got his the two kids. He's found the two kids, uh, the mother of Lucinda's daughter, the mother of the girl. She's dead. He's got back to the coordinates of the shack, right? And there is a huge catball of a <laughs> alien uh, ship there. Yeah, it looks and, like a cat toy. And what he does essentially is is the aliens say that he can't go with them. 
Only they don't the actually say this with words. No. The kids interpret. The kids interpret because they're the only ones that hear the call, and that's the only reason they can go. And he gives his gives his. They they go. The kids. Yeah, I mean, the two kids it, go. What he, Nicholas Cage essentially? Yeah, yeah you. I mean, this is an issue. Yeah, essentially, sorry. what happens here is Nicholas Cage, <laughs> his son of about eight to ten, is like about to leave in a massive sort of. You know, alien ship with spherical, yeah, big dick, yeah, big, big, yeah, big exactly. space Crystal, dick, crystal dick, yeah, <laughs> with with like um, men that all resemble uh, Spike from Buffy, um, and 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 Nick goes, oh, you know, I you have to go, I can't go, whatever. They the kid goes, shoots off into the stratosphere and beyond inside the cat ball in the sky it, yeah in, inside i'm sure we mentioned that there are four men who look like buffy yeah uh spot buffy or oh, if only they did look <laughs> like, <laughs> if only they did look like sarah michelle <laughs> keller this oh bloody hell um so this again brings it right back to the uh, Ezekiel picture with the four angels descending from the spinning fireball in the sky, Fantastic. Yeah, which um, just turns out to be uh, some kind of, yeah, looks like the, <laughs> a cat toy. Yeah, yeah, but it's a specific cat toy. It's the, it's <laughs> the, the, the balls, balls. It's the plastic yeah. balls that have holes in them. Yeah, yeah. And, they're and not, sometimes they're not, they have a bell inside. They have like a rat yeah, yeah. inside, yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not always spherical either. They're kind of like disjointed holes. Oh, it's very... Yeah, <laughs> if the you're holes a cat owner, you'll know. The holes themselves aren't spherical. The ball, of course, is a ball. Yeah. But the holes themselves are weird shapes. And yeah, they're like almost like S-shapes, kind of. Yeah, yeah it's kind yeah, of a gyrating yeah. version of that, but massive and alien. There's no way whoever that designer was wasn't thinking about a cat ball. Or literally watching his cat whilst designing. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, fucking oh, hell, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, Imagine yeah. if that abducted my kids. Mr. Fluffy. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Fluffy, you've got an idea, sir. <laughs> you've done it again, Fluffles. <laughs> so then we suddenly cut to Cage waking up. He's he's still on the... Well, loads of pebbles, first of all. Loads of minstrels go into the sky. <laughs> loads of these black pebbles, which we keep seeing throughout the, the film, blah, 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 blah. They've obviously... Well, I mean, what? Oh, you think about oh, you about black and white minstrels? That's <laughs> no, but I mean they do actually look like the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, you don't think so? Well, I mean, they well, I was thinking more... that earlier because you were mentioning about the popcorn with the sweet and the sour. <laughs> 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 minstrels. minstrels in the same packet. It's a good. It's a good. Anyway, piece, a good so piece. these things rise. These pebbles rise into the air, and then suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly, you cut to the next, the next day. Yes, they um, do. Yeah. And then Cage is laying down on the floor, and it's a sort of orange sunrise. And um, we're like, oh, what the fuck? The it's light a, has changed massively. The film, the film could have ended here, but it hasn't. Oh, it could have. Right there, it could yeah, have ended. It could have ended. I right would have been no. really ambiguous. And oh, kind of yeah, yeah, it would have yeah. been great. If it had ended there as well, it would be like, this would be a different... But it, but it doesn't, and then, it doesn't. So, and then so and then so Cage sort of gets up. He's in his car. He's driving down. And suddenly, he's hearing the radio, and the radio is all a bit like, and everyone's a bit like, "Oh my God, Jesus Christ, things are happening because bad things are going on." But then he changes it to the CD track of the same Mozart's Requiem. Um, which which plays Symph- at the beginning Symphony of the film. Symphony number seven. Symphony number seven, Didn't which is also the, the the opening song to Zardoz as well. Mm. And then and, it, and then we see in a kind of a kind of crazy video collage of people looting, burning cities it, with IKEA bags. Yeah, we see a man run off <laughs> with a cardboard box <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle of a, in the middle of a metropolitan city of looting. There's one man running off with a cardboard box <laughs> full of stuff. Doubt it. <laughs> Doubt it. I, I mean, I, I really mean that. 
I really mean that. <laughs> well, I just the director was like, who, what do you mean? Firstly, <laughs> who the fuck loots in an apocalypse? But secondly, if you are going to loot, what are you doing with the cardboard box? That's why, yeah. What I don't do, what's in that cardboard? That's not... I just want to, like, talk about the fact that at the at the end of the world, like, I do think people probably would go into chaos and like. So I yeah, don't know. I it's human nature to just like start loot and be fucking dickheads and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean but, it's every night for me. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's just it's just a Friday night on West Street. Yeah. That is a very uh, geographical specific joke yeah. to Brighton. So anyone outside of Brighton, yeah. anyone outside of Brighton, think of the street where sort of like. Um, there's stag and hens yeah stag and hens the most clubs most people standing outside of clubs trying to give you free shots but when you get inside they're just pineapple juice and it's that's the street and you're the only people in there yeah oh fucking great yeah I wanted five Jaeger bombs (laughs) now there's just five blokes in here and they're the guys I came with yeah Um, but I want to ask you both a little question and that is would you find yourself looting during the end of the world? Or more specifically, where would you picture yourself? Where would you like to be <laughs> when the rapture finally comes? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. I this is this is a tough one, man. Like if, if the if if it were apocalyptic, real apocalyptic, I certainly wouldn't loot because that. I mean, I. I find myself the more I go through time, the more the less I need, and the more I get rid of things. You know, I'm finding myself sort of um, my shoes are barely on anymore, but I don't. But but I'm happy about it. You know, I don't. So, with an apocalypse, in an apocalypse, in the apocalypse, where I. Where would I want to be? The exact I, moment the world ended. Yeah, when, what would you like to be doing? I would, or where? I would like to be um, holding and held in the arms of a lover, and um, uh, sort of screeching, um, s- screeching. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, a little bit um, arrogant, but I'd be screeching to the sky, knew it, and I'd be screeching to society, told you. <laughs> that, is, that is essentially what, what, what I'd be going. I, I'd be going. Bloody told you! I told you. Like because what I mean is like you know the the chasing around of the, of the American dollar and like the the idea the society we're set up in doesn't make sense and uh, like you know it's it's unfair and it's brutal and it's not a very fair place to see it end for me in some ways romantically very you know dystopianly. Sorry, but you know what I'm saying. Romantically, Stopically, yeah. I would thank you. Yeah, I would. I would like to. I, what I would like to do is to sit on the on the largest hill um, with my loved ones and compadres and sm- smoke a couple of reefers, drink a couple of cans, and watch the whole fucking thing burn. Lovely. Yeah, Bob. Where would you say yourself? Funny, funny enough, though, I I always sort of see my own end uh, in a sort of country sort of setting or like by by the sea or something like that. I weirdly, if it was just the end of the world, like immediately, I think I would go to the nearest bar. But I think I'd go to one, or I hope I'd go to one with a balcony. I'd like to sort of stand out on a balcony with a whole lot of people who are all having a really good time. I hope. 
and we'd all be obviously the, all the beer would be free because no one yeah, needs yeah, money no, it anymore. Would be. It would be. So we'd all just be but drinking. Of course, all there beer. wouldn't be any barman. No, so you just you, you pour your own beer. You you go out. You you replace the barrels. I imagine as well. That's and then, right. and then you'll, you'll have a point. I imagine. Yeah, I, I'd hope my nearest and dearest would be around me. And all you know my friends. What? Yeah, the barman. There yeah. would be barmen, and you they think would be the, the, yeah, and they would be the the most beautiful because they would be there, and they'd be like, well, what? And they'd want to be a barman for the last night. They would yeah, be, yeah. they like would be the band. As yeah, the ship goes down. The violin plays they'd on the Titanic. Band. They'd be the band. Yeah. The best. Absolutely. There, there are there really there is the best great, band ever. There's a great film which deals with this exact subject called Last Night. I don't know quite who made it, but I've, I, it, that's a really good movie, which it talks about whether or not people loot and, and exactly the subjects we've been talking about and about like even like people going back to their family home just for a little while on the last night and they're all like, unwrapping Christmas presents they've already given each other as like a sort of wow. weird ritual and things like that. Very Stuff cool. Like that. So it's, it's, that. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great question, really interesting thing because it really it summarises the way we, we think about ourselves and the way we think about family and love. But um, but generally, yeah, I'd I'd like to be getting fucked up with lots of other yeah. human beings that had the right idea and just think, you know what, we had a great time. Yeah, how wonderful. Yeah, well, we are having a great time. This is a great time, you know. And if the apocalypse were to come, I mean, it why so not? It. You know, so why it. not? Because but for many of us tonight, not us, hopefully, but for many humans across this globe tonight, it is their yeah, last night well, apocalypse. Yeah. You yeah. know, and sad, I hope, sad. I hope, scary. I hope to God that they are doing exactly whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> what, 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 one, la- one last thing. What about you, Petros? Last thing that's, well, sorry, go on, Petros. You, you haven't said it yet. Yeah, I want to know. Well. I want to know. Where would you be? I'd be balls deep. Let's leave it there. Okay, all right. Great, great, great. <laughs> well, well I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to counterpoint your poetic, <laughs> lovely... <laughs> Philosophical endings no, <laughs> yeah. with with just a sleazy. Mine's not v- very philosophical. Mine's violent. Can, and can, sexual. can I just? Say, I've looked through my notes to try to see what what sort of the ins and outs that we can get balls to with the story. Deep. And the only thing other than balls deep that I really think that we should address is the worst dad ever uh, statement which I made during the film. What about I've, Ben Mendelsohn? So yeah. <laughs> Well, we will get to Ben Mendelsohn. Should, should we talk about Ben Mendelsohn? Let's have a little let's have a little ch- chit chat about Ben Mendelsohn, who is a side character in this. Oh, one of the most Nameless. first of all, I think one of one of our Nameless. one of our biggest. Well, he does, he's, he's never addressed by name, is he? I don't think so. Or maybe it's monosyllabic, sort of just one name. Uh, Does even exist. Uh, but 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 but, look, uh, but he's one of our one of the one of the best contemporary uh, sort of performers we've got. He is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's 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 he's, he's, he's Cropped up in a lot of things you might like recognise. He's in the Netflix TV show Bloodline. Um, he even popped up in Dark Knight Rises, yeah. as well Ryan as Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, Lost River. Don't gazzle the goz. Never gazzle goz. Oh. <laughs> and of course, and so with Ben Mendelsohn, he is a he's a professor character um, who he he's he works in a yeah. different department to uh, Nick Cage's. Yeah, character. I think if I'm right, he works in. Well, I know I think Nicholas Cage is in astrophysics, right? Yeah, because when he first goes out, he goes. He makes a comment about. He it. makes a comment <laughs> yeah. about it. So I no, I can't remember what department he is. So. And, but yeah, anyway, he's cosmology, in a different maybe something cosmology. Like, I yeah. think you might be right. And then and he and he and he says something like, oh, like Cage is like, oh, why are you like why are you looking at my class? Why are you auditing? Why is cosmology auditing my astrophysics class? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and yeah. then he says because you owe me a latte 
yeah, and immediately yeah. Joe said, and I think quite right, quite, quite rightly, he said something about this feels a bit like gay. Yeah, feels a bit homoerotic. I think, I think Petrol said yeah, that. Yeah, or maybe Petrol said it, and it was it's something about it was a bit homoerotic. And then suddenly you see Mendelssohn and Cage, who both seem to be walking as if they've There's been a taught, very strange walk. Taught, both, both of them are walking weirdly, mm-hmm. but like Cage is walking like he's sort of like he can't quite fit into his into his brown tone sort of yeah he's professor hunched. suit. He's hunched. He's over. And, and then Mendelssohn is walking like he's flouncing. Kind of, <laughs> he's flouncing. <laughs> he's flouncing he's about. Flouncing, yeah. And then immediately he says like like look this girl said like she'd like to see you at dinner or something. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. She thinks you she, she thinks you're interesting. I thought she meant gay. And then yeah, it's like, yeah. Whoa, yeah. What? vindication. Yeah, oh, vindication. Yeah. Immediately, what we were thinking. So, like, what was happening is that, like, immediately you see Mendelssohn and then <laughs> and then we go in, this is weird. Their, their communication together isn't quite, it isn't should... quite hetero. It's not a colleague. That's not, co- they know each other. Where do <laughs> yeah. they know each other from? What's going on here? Is he... It, it, and it's not like Mendelssohn's like a guy that's known him for a long time that's trying to be compassionate to a man that's lost his wife. No, it's he's not like, compassionate at all. Compassionate. It's more like it's more like someone that thinks, oh, he's lost his wife. He needs to buck up, but at the same time, <laughs> might want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing it's is, so is it cosmology he does? Yeah, oh yeah, no, See, actually, I, yeah, yeah. Joe, 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 Joe like, remembered it. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought he said the cosmetology department. <laughs> so I did the like that. This is not, like I don't <laughs> cosmetics. Want, I don't, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> oh, brilliant! Like it's oh, like wow. like like he's just come over from doing doing nails right, the thing and, is, and beauty you, you massages. Could, you could throw all of this away, and you could say that was that was that. It's just a weird bit of editing at the beginning, but at the very end of the film, when we see the the apocalypse itself, when strange. we see the cities burning down, Cage drives past. Ben Mendelssohn holding a woman clutching not even holding clutching a woman and he's staring directly at Cage as if to say and the woman is clutched into him but non (laughs) like she's non she's not part of the scene she's like clutched as a prop (laughs) and he's just stood there sort of like clutching this woman going looking at him what's he saying well I don't he's looking at Cage and he's saying this could have been you could, yeah, this could have been, been you. you. We could have been you holding been each other. Clear. We could have, yeah, we, we we could have found a dirty little sewer-like compartment, and, and we could have really been rotting mean... into the apocalypse. Yet, <laughs> you you have you have lambasted me and made me go on this quest to just to just conform <laughs> conform myself into the rapture. <laughs> So yeah, I, I feel like that because he's being a real dick about it earlier. He's like, oh, these numbers are bullshit. It's just about your wife, isn't it? It's about, you know, you can't yeah, get over yeah. your wife. And then so immediately he comes back and he's like, so he's essentially like, oh, sorry about that, babes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 like, yeah. He like, like, comes back and he goes, no, I do believe you now. But, <laughs> oh, but I, I, There's a I lot of that in this film. I think what suddenly... happened is Mandelson has read the... Uh, so I don't think it's Mandelson that's put it in. I think it's the writers. It's got to be the writers in the script because the script, as Mandelson... Like, how else could he do it? That is the script. The script I, is it, right? I think, one, so you, yeah. I think that he's read that script and gone, well, that seems a little bit uh, homoerotic to me. It seems like <laughs> this man this man doesn't have any... Okay, so he's a colleague, but, yeah. he, but he's not an old friend. He's not a friend of the family. He's just a bloke he knows at work. That's it. So, so right? he's kind of so decided like to play it So you read into up. that and you go, okay, so I don't really know why these... If I were Mandelson, I go, I don't really know why... He's talking to him. The only reason I can think is because he likes him. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so he's obviously read the script. I'd like Mandelson, if you're listening to this, give us your talk. two cents. Yeah, yes, please. Be, yes, be cool. because, because it seems like he's read it and gone. 
I'm going to have to go for this. Like, I know it's not in the script, but I'm going to have to play this as a secret admirer of John. I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's a good and theory. Because it, it looks like, when you watch the film, it looks like he's like the guy that's like straight with a wife that would, that would without a doubt after two beers suck your cock. <laughs> not, not, not like, not like, not like, you know, like, you know, only if you let him, but like would be up for it. And you'd be like, this oh, reminds man, me, this just... reminds me though, that, that before we get into the world's worst dad conversation, I, I'd like to address the final scene in the film itself where Cage returns to his family home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't talked about. So what happens? He go he he goes through he goes over to his door. Oh he gets out God. of his car in the well, fire. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. To preface this, the like, probably talk about like the moment he had called his dad and said, like, let's remember like one of the things that was talked about in the Bible. You were said in like the uh, Pentecost. Uh, he, yeah, he says uh, like so, like the Pentecost like um, readings. You would always say like, ah, oh, there's one of the things you respect look for is- to the prophecies. And I have a prophecy for you, and that the it getting hotter and hotter is not actually like it's it's not going to get any cooler. This is actually the rapture happening. And his dad smugly says, "Well, when the Lord wants to take me, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. willing and ready to, to 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 take upon his invitation for a dance." Arrogantly <laughs> religious, arrogantly religious. I, c- I can't stand that kind of religion. It's so it's so like it's it's all knowing. That's what I don't like. Okay, you're religious. No, you're you're religious. That's okay, right? Your God, your God knows everything. Just because you believe in Him doesn't mean you know everything. That's what annoys me about that. I, I, I think that's he goes, why. Oh well, when God wants to me, that's, but I think maybe the film to is trying son? to annoy you. I think the film is trying to annoy you with that in a way. Also, his Cause, tie cause he... isn't a triangle at the bottom; it's a cut-off tie. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's really supposed to annoy you. Yeah, God, yeah. Psychologically, I think his character is constructed just to piss you off. He won't. He won't even listen to his son. But so his son finally does arrive. He gets into the house. His mum's there. His sister addresses him as if they're going to make out. Fucking, they look like they're going to smooch up. You're like, whoa. It's jarring. It's jarring. But I was slightly Wait. turned on. <laughs> and then so finally, Cage goes into the building. So Paul. And he, and he goes over to his dad. And it's not like it's not like a standoff. It should be a Mexican standoff. Like, it's dad, it's him, it's him, his dad. Nothing like that. He just goes over there. He's like, what, dad? He's like, you're mate. Let's have, let's have an embrace. And they, they embrace together, yeah. and the world gets fucking wiped out like yeah. like a soggy bit of spaghetti bolognese being scraped into the bin <laughs> after one too many lagers, and you've woken up on the sofa the next day and gone, "Fuck me, what was I doing last night? Why did I cook enough spaghetti for six people? There's only me on my own, and why does it taste of tears? It's going in the bin. I don't know, but you, I'm sure you've seen exactly you've seen, what you've you've seen, you've seen melancholia, haven't you, Petrus? I have. And a part of me actually felt while I was watching it, even though I know the CG is, it, throughout this film, the CG is a massively mixed bag. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are times where... That's the shaky, that's the shaky, that's why they're doing the shaky. That's why they're doing the shaky. But there are some moments earlier. when they, like, just can't escape with shaky cameras, no. like the uh, the sequence of the train like yeah, derailing yeah. it is fucking cgi city but sometimes it's, it's some, some it is bad but sometimes the i was like this is moose. possible the oh the flaming moose was the worst yeah the moose on fire like at that, one and point that scene forest. didn't need to it just didn't need to be in it no like like <laughs> no. to see that the kid looks at one point at one point the um uh john nicholas cage's character's son 
who uh, can also hear what Lucinda, the girl from the beginning, was listening to. Um, he's looking the out. mysterious number channel. Yeah. <laughs> he's looking right out, and, he, and, and there's a Terminator 2 type happening where he sees he has a prophecy of what's going to happen and the whole world's burning and then i think just uh, uh, is it off the back of that or is it no no that? That was, yeah, yeah. and off that and, and during that like he looks out and then as he looks out you go oh burning world burning world that would be enough it's bad cgi there but, but it's kind of go, okay it's a like, forest th- at that moment there's a nod to terminator 2 there's yeah, yeah. Like they should have cut they should have cut cut brilliant instead move on nick run up the stairs but instead <laughs> we just have like a small short sequence of of, of flaming moose and frank just <laughs> it's and then crap it's <laughs> so crap it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's not just moose it like transpires that the, the whole forest like life like wildlife has has caught a blaze, and they're all and still running. running. They're running towards the house. No, well, well, I, 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 I can see here that, 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 that we've we've escalated into the the chaotic territory of these mysterious prophecies. So I want to just get things back on track by saying I do think we need to address the fact that Nicholas da- Nicholas Nicholas Cage is not a good dad. Oh, he's okay, a wait, terrible. Actually, actually, we've got one more point of the film. Okay, all right, plot, Sorry, line, okay. plot line style, but you, you are right, and uh, plot line. I don't know if Nicholas Nicholas Cage is probably an all right dad, but he's a shit dad. John, he's probably. He's <laughs> oh no 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 no! Uh, well, Nicholas Cage is the man. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. No, Nicholas Cage is the man. I'm sure is the, the most fantastic father ever. Jesus, I, I, mean, I, I mean I mean um, I mean his I mean his his literal his character. There's John. a bit. There's a bit. So at the very end of the film, Nicholas Cage goes back. He sees the whole world burning. Everyone burns. Everyone dies. Right, and then and then do we have that final scene of his son? And the girl. Oh my god, I forgot on, that. <laughs> yeah. on a different, uh, uh, being placed down by set by the aliens that picked them up. That um, John let his son and the the girl go to. Um, those same sort of crystal dick uh, spaceships that look like cat balls as well. At some point, they <laughs> are obviously <laughs> dropping off uh, the chosen ones onto what looks like um, a, an original Earth again. Yeah, it right. looks like a Garden of Eden. You know what a I would say, Petros, as well? It yeah. doesn't look too dissimilar to the fucking uh, National Treasure Tree that opens the film, which we see, which is part of the, the Oh, the, the logo, Jerry Bruckheimer logo. The Jerry Bruckheimer logo, which also doesn't look dissimilar to the uh, fucking Ghost Rider tree. Tree, yeah, yeah. Right. That him and his there's, love meet up at. There's three trees within within Cage Films, which all seem to link as the same tree. Well, one like of that. one of the things about this as well is it's kind of like got that grotesque, like overly saturated look. Overly of like, saturated, it's disgusting. Of like the if you the lovely bones. Oh lovely. yeah, the totally. Peter Jackson yeah. film. Yeah. It's totally kind of got that, that yeah. kind of like in the Imaginarium <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. That she's you know projected into. What they're going for when um, when it first when it first like so everyone on Earth dies. And then you're like, oh, that's in the... and then it goes to the bit. All oh, right, they're being there's people being placed on another planet, obviously uh, on purpose. Has this happened before? Is will it happen again? You know <laughs> that kind of thing. And it, if it, that leads to different questions, but but it also has some sort of feel of um, gladiator when Maximus is thinking oh, about the afterlife yeah. and he's walking through the... Or entering it, literally. Entering it, yeah, yeah. entering it. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. The, when the, he's walking the, through the, the, the fields of Elysium. It's it's somewhat like that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's somewhat like that, but like super crap version. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But still makes you feel kind of... At that moment, it's kind of all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I feel that this film, at times, it like bottles it on the endings. It chickens out of like doing... It could have like... It could have ended 
when they get abducted as a super ambiguous ending, like a kind of like oh, right. real ambiguous, you know I mean, like real like auteur, don't give a fuck what the studio think, this is my vision, this is where it ends. And then it could have ended again when the world is incinerated by fire. Boom. Yeah. We do not know what happens to these children. I feel like this ending is just real sloppy. Yeah. Lazy. Just to like give us like the the kernel of hope that the world the, will carry yeah, on. People will be. Yeah, I think maybe people. some people. Some. Yeah. I think. I think. I think. Sometimes no what. the production companies just can't handle the idea of like you know the kids might not be having a good time. Yeah. You've got to sort of try to. You know what I mean? I, I get that. that. I get that. But a like, good idea about um, it would uh, make a much. It would make a much more interesting film. And I do believe that that moment when they're first abducted and Cage is kind of like the yeah. the pebbles float up yeah. and it it cuts to black. If the credits had rolled then, I know yeah. it would have been frustrating. Yeah. but it would have been yeah, real been satisfying in the yeah. long run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on a minute. This film actually does have something to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I want to say is that not only does it bottle out on the endings, where like you mentioned when we were watching, there's a part where one of the said aliens, uh, Nick, comes up to him. John, you know, Nicholas's uh, character runs up to him and he puts a gun in his face and he goes, "Hey." What are you doing here? And the man just opens his mouth and Nicolas Cage is blinded by light. Now, what you mentioned there is that if that had carried on for a little bit, if this sequence had carried on, if we had uh, sort of gone into that light a little bit more and sort of like looked around like in that scene, what is that light about? What's going on in that light? What does it feel like to be in that light? What does it feel like to give that light out? We would have got a little bit more Lynchian, a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. like, whoa, yeah, where yeah. are we going? Well, it but kind of, they bottled it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of had a flash yeah. to it and if it yeah. kind of like, had, them, them like jilted images that like Lynch does where like the it edits. Could have been. Yeah, 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 like it, yeah. Jesus, it could have been cool. Well, that's the thing. Could have been very yeah, scary like, well, well. Yeah, very scary. Like, what is going on yeah, here? But yeah. they just go, oh, you're Light, uh, gone. Oh, well, the thing is, gone. I found with this film yeah. as well that many moments in it, like, could have easily like they play upon real life fear, and like, yeah. there's moments with the men, like, with the aliens ascending upon the car, and the children having nothing to do about it, which is, I imagine, to a lot of people, a oh, real life hell. fear, I mean, just being in a situation scary. where you cannot cannot control. And I feel like if this film was maybe like like bumped up an age rate and I believe it's maybe like a 12 eight. if this was like a 15 they really could have ramped it up yeah, yeah with like let like, like make it scary because at the moment it kind of feels like a hodgepodge like yeah. so, a patchwork quilt of different ideas so, so, from different films that makes, you know that right makes it's, sense, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an absolute patchwork but guys I ask I ask you right now you're both fathers okay you've got you've got one son your wife is gone and a couple of blonde guys have been watching you for a few days, okay? And now you've found out they've got a gigantic cat ball that's come down from the sky, which has something to do with some numbers that you've seen on a bit of paper. And and your kid it has a whole dead white rabbit in his arms. Do you, A, send your kid into the spaceship <laughs> away from you forever? Or do you, B, tell your kid to stay the fuck away from those mysterious blonde men, come with you and leave this place immediately? Yeah... I feel as a nihilist that I'd be like, come stay with me. Let's just let these motherfuckers yeah. deal with their own shit. Because 
I don't get why these are like it they're has, certainly not trustworthy. Yeah. Well, and there is no, no there is no, there is no reasoning why I don't really care about what happens to them kids. If there is no reasoning why these aliens have any like investment into what happens to the future of these children and yeah, why, why they, they want shit? to start the world again yeah. it's just basically yeah. like yeah. it feels like a tacked on like you could cut it's out hard. all those all those life, scenes of those aliens it's life yeah. like so so a father wants life for his child right yeah yeah but 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 also it's not i mean obviously cage clearly was pretty confident that the world was going to end okay mm. But I still think, yeah. But I still think if the cat balls are coming down and everything, I mean, anything could happen. Maybe an intervening species will come down and change stuff. I mean, anything could literally happen at any but time. But he knows life is so up in the air. Going to happen. He's got a good hunch. He's seen that it's going to happen. He's got a great hunch. If you've got a great hunch, I I don't know. But I'm nihilistic in the same way. Like I, I I somewhat would like to go. You know what, son? We're all going to die, but you're going to die with me as well. Yeah, I think <laughs> it would be yeah, our major, and I'll keep you. I think I, it, I, I like that idea. I think but what it, I also yeah. like is the idea of going. All right, son. Listen, I fucked up. I'm an old bastard. The world's going to go. You, the they are scary, weird, blonde people. You might. You, who knows what's going to happen up there? <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. Who knows what's going to happen? But a part of me would say, it, it's, a part of me would feel like if I was the son, I'd want my father to let me go. Yeah. So that yeah. that's what I think. There's, so an, there's if definitely I an aspect son, of that. I want, my, I would, I would not want my father to say to me, "No, son, stay here with me for the apocalypse later." I'd <laughs> rather my father go, "Go with those guys. You might be abused for the rest of your living life, <laughs> but you also might just start a new entire race." I think it's worth. Right. I think it's worth the punt in the dark. I, th- I think, I think, imagine, that punt in the dark is me punting my son into a penis. <laughs> yeah, go on, son, jump in there, see what they do. You might have a good time. <laughs> you might like it. No, oh, you well, might no, like no. it, boy. You might like it. No, I don't mean that. No, 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 I know. I think, I think if you believe that Cage knows what he knows, the scene that, becomes yeah. acceptable. But for me, I just don't know how Cage is so sure. Yeah. And that, that's what, and I, I mean, obviously, Obviously, by the end, we know that the world is annihilated. And by the very end, we know that the children have started again on a sort of crazy avatar planet. Yeah, yeah. New Imaginarium, whatever, the, the in-between. They've, it, they've begun again. It's proper Adam and uh, Eve. It's proper Adam and Eve. Yeah. Um, but, like, without those bits, if I was if I was Cage, if I, if I was that dad, there was no fucking way. I'd I, think in rea- I think in actual reality... Aliens. I think in actual reality, if this shit happened now and then tomorrow I had to make that decision out of all it, I think in actual reality, I'd go no fucking way and I'd take the handgun out of my pocket and I'd shoot all of those aliens. Yeah, and he doesn't even do it once. Yeah, he doesn't even shoot I once. I think in reality, I'd shoot and everyone. Does he even yeah. use that gun for anything? Nothing. Fucking hell. Again, probably to keep this film... <laughs> At a lower age rating. Um, right, that makes sense. You're not allowed to shoot people in the face when 12-year-olds are watching. Should have shot them in the foot. Yeah, shoot them in the foot. <laughs> yeah. Shoot aliens. That's, the a, good, that's a good way to test an alien, isn't it? Yeah. Shoot them in the toes. How? So, How is there... Toes? Toes? <laughs> Does it hurt? Sorry, what's going on? Is there anything else that we really want to deep dive in in this film? Is there a any... shitty angel? Oh, shitty fucking <laughs> angel. <laughs> Bollocks, wasn't it? Oh. I don't like how they. I don't like how what they do when they get. So there's a point in the film where um, the Lucinda, um, her shack, her daughter, 
who's played by what's her name? Rose Burns. So Rose Burns is um, Nick Cage, and Rose Burns have gone up to her mum's shack, Lucinda, the one that he's ended up with the numbers from. And um, there's a really, really cruddy angel made out of clay. That, that she goes, "Oh, I made that for my mum," and I and I just we all thought at that point that is shit. <laughs> That is a shit. <laughs> like, and that's not to say, like, because, like, it's not realistic. It's not I mean, really, yeah, it is realistic. It is realistic. Kids make tat. Um, but, <laughs> but I just think you. Sh- I don't know. I just think that out of all, out of it, could have been way better. Well, if you look at what she doesn't... was up to when she was a kid, Lucinda was not. I was I mean? predicting the world's travesty. Quite literally predicting the end of the world. She's Nostradamus, and her daughter is making shit. Angel, angel tat, tat. Yeah. but of course the angel tat must be a reference to the aliens later on I didn't even think about that but why is it so tatty why is I it so shit I just don't know but then of course her daughter herself th- th- then was also into the numbers so as as Joe said earlier it skipped a generation it skipped a generation so, so Lucinda's daughter is a moron but <laughs> Lucinda's grandchild can literally hear aliens in her mind. <laughs> but her mum, but her mum literally makes like can, just the worst. Can I, get, sorry, can I just say this? If I was Cage, I would have dropped my gun, walked over to the alien before they took my kids, and went, "Look after him, right? You, you, you own a, you owe a Well, don't they us. give him? Look after him, okay? They give it's him as the goofy as that scene would have actually been. Sorry, they give him the opportunity to go with them. I'm sure. Now, but now, but he's like, feels no, like I'm not it. chosen. I'm not chosen. No, I know, but it feels like the guy. He goes, he goes, because Nick goes, please, please, and then the guy looks at him. Nothing said. I don't know. And then, and then Nick goes, I can't go with you. And it looks like it's Nick's decision. I, I'm with you. I, I yeah, feel like it's John's decision. He, he chose goes, not to go. It's like it feels like the, the, the alien looks at him and goes, "All right, come along, fine." But that's what I know. Like. I know what you mean. It is confusing because of all the cuts. I just don't it's know. It's proper confusing. What yeah. was the IMDb? What was what was the? Well, let's no. Whoa, 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 whoa! Before we get there, I may quickly ask you: Did you enjoy this film, Bob? I think. I think overall, now looking back on it, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Would you recommend that the listeners at home watch this? Like, despite all the the clunky religious like. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I really would recommend it. And like, well, I, I enjoyed it personally. I think if you're, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it as it was, but I, I, I just don't think it's one of those films you tell anyone about. It's one of those films that's kind of like, as we mentioned at the beginning, if it's on at like ten o'clock on ITV, like four, you would get like, oh fucking hell, what's this? Yeah, like, like, do you I, know what I mean? It's a bit dark. Like, I keep thinking yeah. about that scene, which was a scene we didn't even mention, which is the one with the plane, where it's all the fire, with all the fire, and everyone's on fire and stuff. Yeah, it's which really is fucking weird. crazy. It's yeah, yeah, a really weird film. Man. Yeah, which <laughs> really took the film into territories of like Final Destination. And like, whilst we're here, let's talk about quickly before we get onto the scores, the kind of hodgepodge patchwork nature of this film. Of like, it kind of has the elements like I found of um, M Night Shyamalan. Like, yeah. it, it it definitely could have been directed by M Night Shyamalan. It is actually um, directed. Who's Who, Who's this guy? I can only imagine. It'll be someone like... A name that I've never heard before, but a name who's done several things that I probably didn't like, but maybe some of them I did. 
But this is the <laughs> thing about this movie. It's like, like, like it's the patchwork of it. For instance, like, if you like listeners, it, like people listening to our uh, us talking now, you know, if. If you like the film The Number 23, that has has Jim Carrey in, you will love this film. (laughs) And I do like the film The Number 23, and I do like this film. So would you recommend this? Would I recommend it? I would would recommend this. I mean, I'll watch, I probably will watch this film again. Amazing, (laughs) amazing. I think it, I think it's, yeah, no, I probably will. Yeah, yeah, no, I will, because... I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a real, I'm a, I'm a sycophant like Cage himself, but I'm a sycophant for sort of um, boring. Well, they're not boring, but they're they're very easily, easily made. I think easily made and easily written kind of um, digestible, digestible like. stories that involve numbers. Like, like I could write a bunch of numbers out there and then just look at them for a bit and then write a story that involves all of them about a man that's sycophantly sort of obsessed about some. <laughs> numbers on a wall what and I, I I find that stuff really funny because I know how obsessive people can be and I find the obsessiveness <laughs> the obsessiveness of people sorry I can't speak very intriguing and interesting yeah. because I find my own obsessiveness very bizarre you know who directed it this was directed by Alex Proyas who directed The Crow no oh! Dark City oh, oh shit I Robot. Oh my god! And 2016's Gods of Egypt. So we I can't that. believe those first two. The Crow and Dark, Dark City. City. You Fuck. should. Rob, you I, I mean, I love Dark City. Dark City. You yeah, Jesus, me Dark City, man. Oh. man. I sat with you and you showed me Dark City, and it blew my mind. What's that actor called? That, that, that's his, he's called. Ah, oh, fucking uh, Rufus Sewell. Oh. Jeez, yeah, have yeah. you seen Dark City? I have not seen Dark oh, City, great. but I definitely will do. Crow, way better man. than The Crow, man. you got to yeah, check it crow, out. So crow. this guy started on a on a dizzying height. Yeah, yeah, fuck me, Brandon Lee. Fuck oh, shit, like Brandon Lee's last movie. Brandon Fucking incredible. Lee and the myth that is, oh, exciting as this. Jesus, Whoa. I can't believe he made this. This I'm is a, so... I'm in a band is... called Baby Crow. Of course, <laughs> I think of The Crow all the time. <laughs> uh, I Jesus. think of crows and everything that crows this, do this film, all the time. This film is in no way is this film good enough to, to even vaguely match Dark City or I The Crow. No, no, I totally agree with you, but... But I must say, I'm very glad that the the director that made both those films made this because I did feel uh, I did some feel affinity like I toward this it. Yeah. Film, yeah. Well, this yeah, film yeah, was yeah, his yeah. first foray like into mm. like digital cameras. So yeah. like this was like it, it was one of the quickest. It was like a two month shoot. See the gothic part of it. And he was like very like he shot it in half the time it took him to shoot iRobot. And I imagine God, the, I by the looks of it, I think the guy that did Crow. And Dark City did I, I Robot. Robot. I Robot really is it's a truly awful film as well. Like I mean, I really is sometimes it? yeah, it yeah. really is shit. It's it? terrible. Yeah, I mean, I can't oh, it is. It, it's like it's I like, Robot as a, a story. Oh, like, well, it's Isaac, Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, but it's just, it's just got nothing to do with it. So right, other right, than right. the laws of robotics, it's got nothing to do. Right. With it. Yeah. So where did this film score? So we have three scores this week, and our good friends over at IMDb. Gave this a 6.2 out of 10. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Rotten Tomatoes. Is this going to be a stinking, rotten, I, filthy I tomato? Or is it going to be a nice, ripe, a ready, for a, it's gonna ready for a salad? It's going to be stinking. 33%. <laughs> and we have one more score yeah. from the late, the great Roger Ebert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who gave say? this film... 
four out of four. Oh, oh. the highest score he could <laughs> give a film. Fucking hell. I'm not sure if this man had, if he had grown senile or was a religious man, but was, must have been swept away. What did he say then? He was just like, beat for beat, the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. I love it. Well, I, I can't, I can't really go deep into it. I can't believe it. the same guy that made this film made The Crow and Dark City. Yeah. But yeah. you know, like how gothic is like, when you think oh, of what sure. The Crow yeah. and Dark City go for, you can see that he, do, he didn't do it, but you can, oh man, that's been, it's bazonkers. Yeah, bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. That is bazonkers. Absolute so bazonkers. here's a little quote from Roger Ebert himself. Knowing is among the best science fiction films I've seen. Frightening, suspenseful, intelligent, and when it needs to be, rather awesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. He was fucking losing. He was getting fingered <laughs> by someone at the studio. Someone at the studio had very big fingers. <laughs> Jesus. So that is that that is it. So Joe would recommend this film. I would, yeah. Bob would not be. so much. I'm gonna oh. say for just the sheer fun value of this film, it's like it's not the greatest film right. I've seen, but the last film I watched with Nicolas Cage in was Bangkok Dangerous, which is literally, I would rather lick a tramp's arsehole than watch that <laughs> film again. Jesus. So, <laughs> this was a... Maybe it'll happen. It is your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Thursday night. I'm feeling all right. Let's lick some shite off a tramp's arsehole. Let's get to it. With a brew it. Um, so... I would say watch this film because it can't be as bad as Bangkok Dangerous. Hopefully by next week, the taste of a tramp's arsehole and Bangkok Dangerous will be out of my mouth. So, I have been Petros Pat Silvers. I've been Bob. I've been Joe. Happy birthday, Petros. Happy birthday, Petros. Thank you. One last thing before I let you guys go. Let's talk about tonight with... And how people can find it. Who wants to take charge on that? Yeah, Tonight couple. with, right. We, you can find us on Acast and Audio I, Boom, is that right? I believe you can. Yeah. I mean, most iTunes. of the time, I was telling Bob before we started this one tonight that I get I get an email every month saying, <laughs> your, your Audio Boom subscription has failed. It's like, yeah, I know that, Audio Boom. I don't need you to tell me I've got no money. You can find us there. Find us on Audio Boom. No, you can find us on Audio Boom. Find us on Audio Boom. Yeah. Perfect. So, you guys have been unknowing about knowing, but now you're knowing about knowing. So, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to say, go out into the world, find numbers. If they mean something to you, then great. If that's the number of the house that your lover lives at, and they no longer love you, and you're just standing outside, leave them the fuck alone. Because all it will do is leave you in turmoil and tragedy when the police turn up and press your face down into the cobbled pavement of that private driveway that she has as you're leering, staring, (sighs) breathing upon the stained glass windows. So look for numbers. Have this number, 69. Oi, oi! This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, 
leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.